Hello and welcome to Switch It on ESPNCrickInfo.com. I'm Andrew McGlashan and this week it's a pleasure to be joined by George DeBell and Andrew Miller. Uh, well, someone had to replace Butch who's struggling through another spell in the Caribbean. It's a hard life for some. Um, last week's show was mostly about Alistair Cook and, well, this week's show should probably be mostly about Alistair Cook as well but we'll try and cover a few other topics as England's international season draws to a close with a 4-1 victory over India whose fast bowlers were probably wishing that the two final day centuries from Rahul and Pant had come slightly earlier in the series. But it's only right we do start with Cook. Um, who writes your scripts? It was once famously said of Ian Botham. Um, that script writer deserves double pay, I think, after the week we've just had at the Oval. Um, George, you've covered a large chunk of Cook's test career for us and followed much of it very closely um, over the last 12 years. Just what were your feelings about that week we've just witnessed, both largely from Alistair Cook's perspective? It couldn't have been better, could it? No, it was extraordinary. Uh, I think Ian Botham texted him, didn't he, and, and asked for his scriptwriter back because it was so extraordinary. Uh, it was lovely. I think he deserved it. Uh, that's probably the best I've ever seen him bat, uh, at least since that 2010 11 Ashes when he was fantastic. Uh, and he just looked freed from all the worry and concern. And he was actually quite elegant as well as disciplined. And the applause and the sustained nature of the applause when he reached his 100 was right up there with the most amazing things I've seen at a sporting I, event. I was going to ask you about that. I mean, you wrote during the week that there, there seemed a genuine warmth for the man as much as the cricketer, in a way. I mean, he, he put, he's always portrayed everything good about the game, about himself, his character and stuff, superbly... Well, he's not portrayed very man. much. I mean, I, I think, I think he's, he, uh, there's no fakeness, there's no false side. He, has, he hasn't uh, tried at any stage to ingratiate himself with the media. I don't think he's particularly tried to ingratiate himself with uh, a general public. I think he's just polite and he is what he is, which is quite a simple, hard-working, driven fella. Uh, the thing that I really liked was the fact that, uh, and the thing I tried to get at in that piece was that people could try and fabricate images, and we see it all the time now, don't we? And yet, without any arrangement, without anyone saying, let's make some noise, without any urging, everyone clapped and clapped and clapped for ages. And it was on the same ground, the same crowd had booed Boris Johnson when he appeared on the screen. And I thought, bloody well done, England. That's what I thought. <laughs> um, <laughs> Andrew, the, an ending like that, um, the question was asked to Cook himself, and at no, some point in the winter, probably quite soon, when England are 20 for 2 against a turning ball or whatever, it's going to be asked, has he has he gone too soon? Now, was it was it a case of as George said there, him being freed of the pressure. He said he didn't want to get naught, but once he got a few runs, it, it was a good send-off. It ended up being a perfect send-off. So has he gone too soon, or, or was it just a man freed up of pressures who's gone out on the perfect note? It was perfect. I mean, there's no there's no coming back from that. That was absolutely perfect. And, you know, he, he more or less admitted himself in the press conference afterwards that, uh, that this was made possible by the fact that, you know, he knew the end was nigh. His only concern was not embarrassing himself in front of the, all of his friends who'd come to see that one final send-off, which presumably was the, the one last little little rub of bloody-mindedness he needed to get through. It's just like, no, I'm not going to let down everyone who's come to say goodbye to me. It, it, it got him back into that mental space that he himself admitted he'd been vacating for the last 18 months. So uh, it was wonderful. It, it was, it was, I've not, you know, the Oval has seen so many formidable farewells down the years. I would say this was 
from a, on an emotional level, I've not seen anything quite like it since Kirtley and Courtney, I would reckon, um, in, in 2000. And obviously they went on a sombre note because England had won. So the jubilation around England beating West Indies for the first time in 30 years and those two walk off to the sunset was, was an amazing sort of vignette of, of, of what the Oval can provide for big farewells. But, but this was just a celebration, uh, from start to finish. And, and what a finish, obviously, with Jimmy getting that wicket as well and the embrace and, oh, it was beautiful. You, you, you can, you can ask for more. <laughs> Brings really. a tear to the. It, it genuinely does. Um, uh, when, when we're judging young cricketers, and we'll come on to Anderson in a moment, obviously, the way he finished the test match, often seems to be caveats more so maybe with England cricketers when when we're trying to judge are they great cricketers Jimmy has an obvious one which we might come on to later in the show but Cook has scored over 12,000 runs he went above Kumar Sankar as the highest scoring left-hander of all time um, left him what fifth on the list over, overall didn't he? Highest scoring opener as well yeah. which I think he, is quite something So is, is, is he a great cricketer George Alistair Cook? Uh, I've changed my mind on this uh, <laughs> that question uh, generally of course he is um, you see, the premise behind the question is that it, it diminishes us in some way to bestow that sort of flattery on us. But why the hell does it? We seem why not just be nice? to bestow that on, on, right. on our sports. Uh, and, and with the other issue we have, uh, and, and this was a, a point I tried to get up to with the, the, the Jack Shantry piece around ages ago, is that we judge far too much. Quality segue, George. Got to hand that to you. Well, no, you segue from Alistair Cook similar, to Jack Shantry. In a way, in that they're both quite <laughs> ugly cricketers in a way. Um, Made the and, most of their abilities. Well, then, well, I don't know because they're not aesthetically pleasing, and we probably shouldn't judge it as much on that as we do. So we we look at David Gower, who probably averaged a wee bit less than Cook in the end. He did because uh, it was just under forty-five right at the end, wasn't it? And Cook just went over yeah. again, uh, and we think he was more talented and stuff. But did he have the ability to concentrate like Cook did? Well, he probably didn't, did he? Um, so maybe we need to particular. I fall into this more than anyone. Who doesn't love a, an elegant cover drive or, or, or a pleasing bowling action? I thought you like to leave outside often in that case. Well, I do. Uh, <laughs> Surely but an elegant top leave. ever player. <laughs> he, he did the player miss masterfully in the last <laughs> couple of years, didn't he? Uh, so was he a great player? I, I think indisputably he was, yeah. Is there more as well, Andrew, to some players judging their greatness than, than purely the runs? And Cook has scored a lot of them, but he's also... he's. He's had a he's had that stretch of games, 159. He only missed that one of his whole career. He had a long England captaincy career, which included some of the biggest meltdown, one of the biggest meltdown English crickets had, and obviously that's been talked about this week as well. And we've perhaps seen another side of that story come out this week. Do those things have to be factored in with what Alistair Cook's career ends with as well? I think so, absolutely. His career was, you know, he he rode the seas, he rode the ups and downs, and he stayed afloat regardless. Sometimes he was half capsized, but you know, he was. He didn't. He didn't get sunk by by any circumstance whatsoever, and and you can only admire him for that. And you know, talk about that, that record, 159 consecutive appearances. I mean, that's just that's just extraordinarily bloody minded. He said he he played one Test match with a broken leg after after jamming his leg on a water slide, I think, in the UAE. And and I believe I, I think I saw it said that um, that he would have played. At Mumbai, of course he would have played at Mumbai, but Duncan Fletcher, Duncan Fletcher figured, told him to. figured that, you know, you're only three tests, two tests into your test career, take a break, lad. But, you know, clearly he didn't want to take a break. He just made a made an uh, immense arrival, uh, obviously making that century on debut. So, uh, you know, so the, and again, just, just, just to go from that, that debut, you know, the, the circumstances of it, the, the emotions that surrounded the England camp with obviously Vaughan and Triscothic going lame and, uh, 
and uh, him flying out from halfway around the world and coming in and landing to score 100 and then 15, 12 years later coming to his final test and producing exactly the same combination of a 50 and a 100 to send off his career. I mean, you know, that if, if nothing else, that is proof of mind of a matter. You know, uh, that's just the catching thing. He's got the most catches. He's not even good at catching. <laughs> it's absolutely extraordinary. He just sort of forced himself, willed himself to, to get better at it. And he held on to more catches than anyone ever has. And, uh, you know, and as captain, I think he doesn't get the credit that he deserves for winning in India. What an extraordinary achievement that is. We might never see it again. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he, he insisted on KP being brought back in the side. He, um, Winning in South Africa as well? Yeah, I mean, that, that's... That was England's last successful overseas tour, th- wasn't it? Th- that's terrific, but I think... Oh, of course, but I'm India just saying is... if you add that on to India, he's the, he scored man of the series, not as captain in Australia, yeah. and won series in India and South Africa. Presumably he's mad of the series in India too, isn't he? Oh, yes. 300 so, row, so. But that's a heck of a trifecta. Uh, it, it, uh, so. Those things are really, really genuinely fantastic, yeah. So how do you replace 12,000 runs then? Well, you, I think history suggests that you do. You, you, you just find a way. I mean, it looked impossible to replace Boycott and Gooch, and, and it was for a long time. Uh, Atherton, you know, the people come along and you have to hope that you the system... You have to pick them first, work. don't you? Although, you on, on that note, though, Atherton made a very good point in a piece in The Times the other day about the, 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 the way in which England openers in particular have, have passed it on. You've had... There's been a, a mm. lineage to a degree. Obviously, Cook learned from Strauss, who learned from Truscothic, who, who learned from Atherton, who learned from Gooch, who learned from Boycott, going all the way back, and that takes you back to the 1960s. And for the first time since the 1960s, England are going to go out to a tour and not have a clue who should be opening the batting. And that, that is that's a pretty terrifying scenario. Well, it's sort of in the 80s as well. And obviously, yeah, the, 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 the Gooch, brief period when Gooch Boycott, was away. Boycott, um, uh, who else went on that? Uh, Larkins. But yeah, it is, it's a, it's a real mess. It's a, it's a huge problem. Um, and I'm not suggesting it's going to be easy. But history would suggest that people do come along who um, may not be quite as good, but find a way. And he has been in decline. I mean, I don't want anyone to think that I'm suggesting he should carry on. I know that both Trevor Bayliss and Joe Root have suggested it to him in the last few days but I don't think he should carry on I think he was definitely in decline and it's great that he's had this finish and good luck to him but but let's move forward So it was a great test not only for Cook but also his, his, his best mate James Anderson the, the final ball of the series claiming the wicket to go past uh, Glenn McGrath the most prolific fast bowler of all time um, it would have happened at some point but it, it couldn't have been more perfect than, than how it came about the one wicket to win um that long spell which you wrote about last night which in a sense typified as much about Anderson as anything. England were, in a, were still a long shot to lose the game but it was mm. under some pressure mm. and who did who did Joe Root throw the ball to and he delivered? As so often. I mean he, he's an amazing cricketer. There are times even this summer when I found him infuriating. You know when he just won't pitch it up another foot? <laughs> when well, he won't use There was the quite a funny TV interview last night. It was um, uh, Cook and Anderson did a joint thing at the end and um, Cook talking about playing with Andy, he said, yeah, I just kept telling him for 10 years to pitch it up a bit more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and he is what he is, which is uh, actually uh, a, a, a quite defensive uh, swing bowler. He's not one that particularly invites the drive. He tries to bowl incredible balls and frustrate batsmen. Um, and th- this is the irony about him, that people think he's a, a green track bully, and obviously he is, can be unplayable on those, but he's actually better for England on flat tracks. He's easily England's best bowler when the ball's not doing anything. Because his mastery of well, his control is fantastic, and he has a huge variety of skills. I mean, Lord, that he's the one that I worry about replacing. England haven't replaced Swan, have they? 
No. Of all the ones they had in that great team, Swan actually possibly trotted. Trotty, I was going to say Trotty. Uh, trotted yeah. his best, anyway. Yeah. Um, and uh, those are the ones they haven't replaced. But for replacing Anderson, he has been there for so long and done. But if anything got better, even though he's got slower, he, yeah. that is a problem. So he, he was turned by Cook, England's greatest cricketer, um, last night. It's an endless debate, that, but let's have it briefly anyway. I mean, because of that, is, is he... he is he worthy of, of that tag? I think uh, if he's not in the consideration for England's greatest cricketer, then something is going seriously wrong with the permutations. I mean, the, the fundamental thing is he's a fast bowler, and he's been a fast bowler at the peak of his powers for 10 years now. Because, you know, the one thing that people always throw at Anderson, I think we've discussed it, I'm sure we've discussed it in previous pods, is, you know, his overall career record doesn't stack up to, say, Glenn McGrath. But if you take the fact that Anderson, much like McGrath to a degree, although McGrath, he, what, he, was, he was effectively, what, 12 years, wasn't he? So Anderson's already three yeah. years longer than McGrath and looking like another. Yeah. So, yeah, 12 years. So Anderson has effectively had three three careers as a fast bowler. Had that Tyro period for the first five years of his career when he hardly got a hardly got a look in, hardly got a run at the side because he was too green to be trusted. And then he had that, that vintage period when England went to the number one in the world and he learnt in, on that tour of Australia that the point that George made is that you know, control and, and, and give nothing away is the fundamental way to, to beat these guys, not bowl magic balls. And now he's had this extraordinary sort of postmodern era when he's, you know, he's just turned himself into a work of art. <laughs> he, he's lost, he's lost his, lost his pace, but he's gained every trick in the book and he's probably as better than ever. And, you know, you take each of those, well, you, you, you put aside the, the, the kid era from up until 2008. And look at that body of work for 10 years since 2008. That is staggering. What he's achieved in that time is staggering. Do you know, I had to pick a team uh, for the Lord's Taverners. I didn't put him in it. <laughs> Just <laughs> the, the best team of the last 50 years. I'll tell you why. I mean, I'm, I'm clearly wrong. Uh, you know, you do these things. You, you suddenly realise you've got five minutes to do it. And uh, you look back at it, what an idiot. But to be fair, uh, I thought that uh, I had both of them. And I thought that both of them at his best replicated well, the skill. I tell you and what, of he could bat. you're right though. But both of them at his best lasted for five years. Both of them at his best was 1977 to. Uh, I know people don't remember. They remember the, the Portly fella bowling at yeah. 75 miles. From 1982 onwards, he 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 was he was yeah he he was basically what Anderson ought to be now, a sort of medium pace swinger who's got all the skills but but no pace. But Anderson is still I mean, he was ten hit, times he was the bowler. Seven eight miles an hour late yeah, yesterday. Exactly in that spell. So I mean, he's he's still got immense but durability. From mm. from from George's point there, there, I would love to see an attack with Anderson now and both of them at his absolute best for those five years at the start of his career. That that you know attacking swing bowling uh, of the light that that both of them produced in that period uh, is something special. And Anderson still produces it, and, and he's been producing it for 10 years now. I, I'm quite confident that about uh, the next generation of fast bowlers, English fast bowlers, I, I do think we've got... If they um, can stay fit. Yeah, well, that's a huge yeah. worry, isn't it? But you, there are no guarantees. I mean, J- Jimmy Anderson had those worries, of course. Mm. Had the stress fractures early in his career. Maybe a bit of a rites of passage thing, I don't know. Um, but there, there are a few at the moment... Who are a bit special. Well, the two you picked out overnight, Jamie Overton and, and Ollie Stone. Have, I mean, just judging by the clips you see on social yeah. media now, they've. I mean, Ollie Stone's spelled last week the seventh. He's look, quick. Look, look good and. Oh, they're a bit different as well, so they could complement each other. And Josh Tongue's not far behind. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a few who I honestly think could go on and have really good careers. Not going to be Jimmy Anderson though, eh? 
not for another 12 years anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, this series was billed as the battle between Anderson and Coley. In the end, every bowler bar Anderson removed um, Coley once, um, once Broad got him in that, in that last innings. Um, in many ways, did that make the contest even more compelling, Andrew? The, the, the fact the narrative just kept on going right to the end. Will he get Coley? Will he? And oh. then, then there was that LBW where Anderson almost lost the plot with the umpire <laughs> in that first innings. That almost capped it, didn't it? Yeah, it was, it was wonderful. I mean, I think he beat, beat him 44 times in the course of the series, which is just extraordinary for the, you know, a guy who came into the series with a control percentage of 80 plus percent. And then suddenly here's a guy who can beat him at will outside off almost. It was, it was, it was mesmerizing at times. Um, I think, in many ways, the fact he didn't quite get him almost adds to the adds to the, the narrative. Frankly, I mean, if he had got him three times, I mean, would that really? Well, have... Darren Millan held that catch at slip mm. in the first innings of the series. Well, a couple of them. Would yeah. things have gone? Well, he, actually, Virat's whole series could have been different. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Virat, and I thought we saw his mental strength this series mm-hmm. and how he worked things out. And you, you know, he's beaten so often and just kept going, and that's admirable in its own way. But wouldn't it have been interesting if Milan had taken those catches? And then the next test was the next test at Lords, and he had uh, failed there. And then yeah. uh, he's Especially taken again. If, if the toss had gone the other way there, and, and then Keaton yeah. could have. Keaton Jennings had yeah. a chance to get him forty odd at Trent Bridge, and all of a sudden he's going into the fourth test without any runs, literally without a fifty. And the, the dynamic is very, very different. I think that whole battle between Anderson and Coley just reminds us that statistics are a bit of a nonsense because if you know, as, as I'm having quite a lot at Twitter at the moment, it just shows that Coley's so much better. You, you know, you, you just have haven't been watching, have you? You have one I mean? particular friend on Twitter at the moment, I've noticed, who ha- likes to Ham- send... Is his of, name Hamza? Lo- yeah, who writes Carol, every it, word with a capital letter as well. Uh, uh, that's uh, most of them, well, he, he, yeah. so England, As in starts every word with a capital England letter. England are doomed now, yeah, they'll never yeah. win another session. Hasn't got much right the last couple of weeks. No, he's had an absolute shocker, but didn't he take it well? <laughs> yeah. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I, I answered about 12 at a yeah. time, just pointed they out that everything They all came up on my feed at the same he said time. was wrong. <laughs> Lord, we've all had series like that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he took it in very good part, so good for him. Um, Anderson and Cook, do you, and you throw him broad into that as well, the kind of three giants of this era of English cricket. Do you, do you think we've seen this week with Cook's departure, and I guess a little bit of the emotion around Anderson's landmark as well, that they'll only really be appreciated when when we know they're not going to be there? Do you think there's an element of that? I, I don't, actually. I, no? I think it was a little reminder sometimes that we get a bit out of touch in the press box and that uh, the general public, the general cricket-watching public, really appreciate them. And I know that um, there's a film, Barney Douglas is doing a cricket film next year, which is a celebration of that England team that was really, really terrific for two or three years, whatever it was. Mm. Um, and... I think that, yeah, people who experienced it think it was forgotten all too quickly because we focused on the, 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 the debacle of, you know, Peterson Gate uh, and it was such an ugly ending that maybe, and, it, and they fell apart so fast and so dramatically that maybe it overshadowed all the brilliant things they did because for 18 months, two years, they were easily the best England team I've ever seen. I mean, it's interesting as well. There's just in a sort of sensed a, a, a rapprochement between Cook and Peterson. Not, not that Cook ever ever admitted to having an issue with Peterson in the first place, as judging by the quotes in on the BBC recently. But, but KP's tweets after Cook's final innings kind of 
just about gave the impression that, that after all this water under the bridge, there is a chance that one day those two will be able to get in the room together and look back and think, we did some amazing things together. And that, that's what I would love for to come out of this eventually, just, just for, just for everyone to recognise. I thought we should go the other way with it. Oh, yeah. Photoshop a picture of Alistair Cook punching a rhinoceros. <laughs> Well, maybe, but, but the point the point is though, there, there, as you as you rightly say, there was there were some amazing times created by that team. Mm. It fell apart so dramatically on that on that Ashes tour, and and you know, Cook, Cook was left floundering. KP was uh, was booted out. Swan quit midway. There were so many reasons for for people to remember the nasty bits, but mm. but there was there. You're, you know, you're not you're not going to replicate a team like that in a hurry and and you know we've already mentioned trot ian bell was mentioned dispatches this summer because mm. people recognize that he had qualities that simply are not there among the batsmen who are not rooting and, and, and cook at the top of the order it, it's going to be a huge huge hole to fill cook even even an out of form cook is better than most of the guys who've tried to come along to play alongside him, which is kind of terrifying. He's certainly better than out of form Keith Jennings. Yeah, and that's, you know, it is <laughs> we'll, a worry. We'll, we'll, we'll come on to a few more of England's options in a minute, but let's just cast the net a little wider now and, and, and look at the series as a whole. Um, 4-1, is that a fair reflection on things, George? Probably not, no. It was a lot closer than that. There were two or three really close tests. I thought... Um, Nags made the point in playing Quarries yesterday. It was 3-1 last time. I, I thought India had improved quite That was well. a very good answer from Nags last night. He was asked, yeah. so what progress have India made? And you just said 3-1 to 4-1. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it's not fair, is it? Because I think they've shown a lot more resilience uh, on this tour. It, right up to the last session yesterday. Yeah. I mean, it was very odd resilience. But uh, whereas the last two tours they've come here, they've capitulated really badly at times. Um, was it yeah, the years? wheels never fell off this. No, they no, didn't. No. And, and, and after the Trebridge test of that year that England went to number one in the world, I don't think India won a session in yeah. the rest of the tour. So uh, huge, huge advances there. Uh, obviously overly reliant on Virat Kohli. But they played in desperately tough conditions. I mean, this is like England going to India and played on turners that are bouncy, jumping, scuttling. So I thought they didn't give themselves much of a chance with the warm-ups. I thought that that was a massive own goal. But actually, I think they leave with an awful lot of credit, and I hope people don't just judge on 4-1. In a couple of moments, Sam Curran takes Sam Curran out of the game, at, well, Ben Stokes uh, at Edgbaston, and um, it could easily be the drawn series. George mentioned there the, the warm-up period. That's something we've discussed a lot in, in the last few weeks. Um, so that will be one of India's regrets. But they, you could probably argue that they made four selection mistakes through the series. They mm. they didn't pick Pajar for the first test and they didn't pick a second spinner in. They then brought Kuldeep in when it was chucking it down at Lords and the first day had been washed out. That was just asinine. They, they, <laughs> they, what was going on there. They then picked a half-fit Ashwin at the Aegeus when either they should have supplemented him with Jadeja or played Jadeja as the spinner and they probably got what looked as though probably their best balance side for the last test match. Do you, I mean... Shastri, Shastri especially doesn't sound like one to ever admit mistakes. <laughs> but do you think they'll leave with a, a few what ifs in their in their mind? It would be insane if they didn't. I mean, you you can't you can't think and quite rightly think that you've come close and lose four one and not think we must have made some pretty heinous errors for the for the margin to be that wide because it wasn't that wide. I mean, it really wasn't that wide even. Even early in it the was fourth, runs, wasn't it? Really? Even early in the fourth test, a series I mean, win for them. You know, midway through the fourth test, it looked like it was going to be two, two, two. And so, you know, there, there, there's just no, there's no logic to 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 that. If you if you take out of the equation 
as you say, the, the, those heinous errors. And, and Nagaraj has, has written up a uh, five mistakes that that India made, and you know each one of them they should put a red line through. Think what, what were we thinking, frankly? The one thing they have going for them that's come out of this tour or has been enhanced on this tour is that pace attack been lauded as India's best ever, and I don't think there's much doubt about that. You throw in uh, Bobinesh or Kumar as well into that, who wasn't fit for this test series. Does that give them a chance of continuing to be competitive away from home in the, in the medium term? Genuinely, it does. I mean, you know, England would kill for such reserves. I mean, I know, I know that, uh, that GD is, is, is optimistic about our, our young no, up and th- th- Those India bowlers, they're, they're the real thing they're, they've they totally developed. Are, uh, yeah. And it's, and the more, and more, moreover, it's the depth. As you say, Kumar didn't even play. And, you know, you look back on recent India tours, almost Frankly, since since the uh, 1990s, when when uh, when Srinath and Prasad actually excelled in English conditions, mm. and despite the fact they lost, they've 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 had bowlers who fast bowlers who have really cut the mustard. Zahir in Zahir was immense in, seven, in 2007. Yeah. Uh, he he obviously fell apart in 2011, which was fundamental to them falling apart. Pankaj. Pankaj thing. Yeah, good yeah. old Pankaj. But, yeah. but you know they they have had some decent bowlers who have really stood up in English conditions but what they've never had is this full on pack of pacemen who can interchange with each other and you know pick up you know Shami can pick up where, where Bumrah left off and Bhuvanesh would obviously have been an asset Ishant was immense um, despite the fact he would probably have been the guy who would have missed out if, if Kumar had been fit so yeah it's a great position to be in and it's something that you know England haven't been in that position for well since again when they were number one in the world they got to number one in the world because they had Depths behind, you know, they had the like, likes of um, Bresnan and Tremlett to come come in off the off the bench and and fill the void when when they needed to, and and that that is absolutely fundamental to being the best. In the what world. a weird game it is, though, isn't it? That if India had had Moeen <laughs> at uh, the Aegis Bowl, if you had swapped Moeen and Ashwin, India probably would have won. That's not something you could ever thought. Is and it? then, it and the knock-on effect of that is Cook could not have announced his retirement, which means Cook would have come into the test with exactly the same problems he'd had all series. Yeah. Which means maybe he wouldn't have scored the runs, which would have set up the match, which would mean that India won three-two, which is what it's I predicted in the, predicted in the series. So. <laughs> sliding the laws over the place, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. In, in this series, just one final point on India and Kohli. This last six, eight months, they've been to South Africa, uh, fought hard and lost. They've come here, fought hard and lost. They go to Australia next. Is there still a chance for Kohli? to come away with the legacy of this generation that he wants or is it at risk of not quite being able to fulfill that because of the, perhaps the way they're going about these tours they have a team that can do it are they giving themselves the best chance to do it no i thought they missed i thought to to be the team that coley wants them to be and to be the team frankly they, they they seriously could be they needed to win at least two out of England, Thanks. South Africa, and Australia. They've lost two so far. But if they go to Australia and win in Australia, I mean, that would, that would still be huge. I mean, let's face it, we're still crowing about England winning in Australia in, in 2010, and we've lost, we've lost, um, 14 out of 15 either side of that. So, you know, it's... They'll never have a better opportunity, will they? I mean, have you seen that uh, Australia side? Yeah, I'm, so I'm still will... doing a who the heck are they? They'll never <laughs> have a better them. opportunity, but they're, they're not, India, well, the BCCI and the ECB are not so different. In that they're trying to squeeze too much in, you know. We know that they they're to play in the Asia Cup. We know that the shape of the tour is dictated by their uh, their, their other tournaments uh, and their desire to make money, which is all understandable. And, and it's the same with England. Well, 
let, let's look at England, the, the team now. Um, uh, over the whole season, if we just focus on the test, because we know the one-day team is in pretty fine fettle and not, not too many issues with that, but it's it's five test victories versus two defeats. Um, that's progress, isn't it, George? Before we come on to perhaps the nitty-gritty, <laughs> overall, is that is that progress? No, I don't particularly think there's a lot of progress, no, to be honest. I don't know. Um, the... Massively, well, they just beat them one side world four one. That uh-huh. that has to be a that has to be a tick, doesn't it? That has yeah, to be but a, I mean, you say it's progress. They beat them four 0 didn't they? When they went to number one in the world, um, it, it. I don't see a lot of progress. No, I thought the conditions were ideally suited to this England side, and that's fine, uh, and and it's welcome that they won, and that's good, and there were some admirable qualities in it. But they don't know who their opening batsmen are. They're not a lot closer to the transition for the seamers. They've got a patchwork spin attack. They haven't found a number three. They've got about five number sixes. They've got super all-round strength. But no, I'm honest. No, I don't. I don't see progress. No. Are you going to counter that, Andrew? Or are you simply going to bring the tone of this show right down? No. The, <laughs> the only thing I will reiterate is I thought England were going to lose this series, and they won handsomely in the end. The numbers say they won handsomely. The the, the analyse too closely, and you'll see that they could have lost any one of those those games. Well, they showed character, didn't they? Exactly. That's the point. They showed character, and I didn't think that they had the character yeah, good to get to bridge that that I thought, class. I thought Joe grew as a captain. Mm. I thought that perhaps is as important as obviously we can. He's still probably not scored the volume of runs that we need from him. Obviously, kind of um, he's, that hundred and last innings was important, but in some tight games. I thought he came through as a captain in this series. I rather agree, actually, and I think, you know... There, Which there may were... have kiboshed a certain piece you were hoping to write all series, but we'll uh, <laughs> have to keep that one under the uh, well, QT for now. No, 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 <laughs> I, I, I will... I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit that the piece I wanted to write at some stage when, when England when England were about to lose the series was it's time to go the whole hog, get Mo, get, get uh, Owen Morgan in as, as, as England captain, because England are... Because the one thing that England have shown, and this, this segues from the, from the point about the character is that the areas in which England succeeded were very much one-day specialist areas. They, mm-hmm. they showed the ability to, to keep fighting when they were 87 for 7, keep attacking, keep accelerating, George, through the fog. Go faster. Go faster through the fog, and somehow you'll come out on top. And lo and behold, they did that with, with, with great credit. At to, to, and to be fair, Just Butler had a, a good Butler series. Had a probably a breakthrough yeah. summer, and Sam Curran too. And actually... Um, well, although y- your general point is right there, isn't it? But I thought Butler and much more so Stokes showed a willingness to buckle down and play the situations accordingly. You know, I thought they they grew. I know the stats don't particularly show that with Stokes, but I thought they grew and developed sort of as mature senior players with their batting in particular. Yeah. Well, Stokes is a fascinating one, isn't it? Because he 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 was the one guy who showed the ability, or probably just stems from the fact he's got the best technique of those all-rounders, he showed an ability to fill a necessary void for England by being the glue mm. and allowing other guys, the Currens and, and Wokes to a degree, to, to, to play more freely. And you know, be yeah. and, and be be the the number six, seven, eights that Stokes himself. So should he be three or four? Well, maybe he should. I mean, it, it, this is this is a weird world we live in. But maybe you if do England... wonder whether he's going to start bowling less and less, don't mm. you? Why would he do that? The knee. Yeah, I mean, his knees are worried, but he can, uh, good luck to us. Do you imagine being the captain says, "Well, you can't bowl, then." <laughs> Lord, I, I guess I'm just meaning perhaps at more selective moments. I guess he. Yeah, he's a, I don't he's, particularly he's like the way they use him. You know? Fifteen I, and overs and innings man rather than twenty-five or something. Yeah, but the point is, if England are heading down a one-dayfication of their of their overall setup, and we have got to a situation where they beat the number one test side in the world by using essentially 
one day cricket tactics i.e. having all-rounders who have given them just enough with bat and ball to cover off their massive deficiencies, then maybe it is the case that we just accept those deficiencies are part of a changing game. Having a having an old-school number three or an old-school opener, in the case of Alistair Cook, who's now gone, is just not the way that Test Crick is going to be played henceforth. And we are good enough, and we've got the depth, and we've got the confidence in that depth to play the game our way. Maybe, maybe Bayliss is right. Maybe going faster through the fog is actually... The future. Well, maybe there just aren't any other players. Well, that's I mean, I think Burns probably will get his chance now. It's a style of game dictated by the era of players available. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, again. But it is entertaining. It's not just, you know, it's not just England. There will, they're going to come to a point where, you know, Pajara at some stage will, will go and, you know, Chandapal's gone already. There, there, there's, there's an era of specialist players who are increasingly remote yeah. from from the game yeah. increasingly the game is all about all-round excellence and so perhaps that's that's the way that england fight back maybe this is a template for england in the future that you know we just accept our flaws but we've got the character and the all-round prowess to to plow on through regardless it is a ridiculous game when you see uh, a man caught in the fifth session of a test match on the extra cover boundary that's what we did yesterday <laughs> trying to save a game it is ridiculous. But there, but it, there was it, an uh, inevitability about it. There yeah, was, there was really ba- was. Bound to well, there was a fielder there for, the reason, for a reason. Uh, and, it, and it wasn't even a big deal. I actually asked Trevor quietly, uh, not in the press conference, I had a chat with him afterwards and just said, what would you have said? He goes, happens all the time, doesn't it? <laughs> you know? And he's right. I don't think that's betrayed yeah. any confidence. But the, the modern player is told to express themselves. Oh, I don't think it's right. But, it, you know, I've lost the argument, haven't I? I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, that's where it's going, yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned um, Butler and Sam Curran as being the two big games of, 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 of the Test summer. Um, Ed Smith's first summer as, as national selected. Do you think those two games make it a, a, a good pass mark for Smiths in terms of the selections they've made this summer? Or, well, do, you, or do you think the holes are still too significant to say? Well, those, those, a, were, those were... Um, well, the Butler one was a ballsy selection. Mm. I wouldn't have done it. And... Um, uh, you know, uh, Smith has been remarkably clear that it was his call. <laughs> I wonder how the other selectors feel about that. Uh, so, yeah, he definitely deserves some credit there. He does, though, doesn't he? He deserves some credit for identifying a special talent and sticking with it in the, probably the right role. Seven probably is. Frees him up, it seems. Uh, current, uh, less extraordinary selection, I think, to be fair. You know, sort of earned it. Uh, but, yep. It definitely deserves some credit there. I think the way they've stuck with Keaton Jennings is extraordinary <laughs> and, and is a black mark against them. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you could argue about a few things. Um, but, yeah, credit where it's due, definitely. What about Adil Rashid? That, that one delivery um, yesterday to, to KL Rahul, um, justification for the whole selection and everything that went with it? Uh, yes and no. I'm, I'm still not convinced that Root has faith in him and that is a big problem as George wrote in his, in his piece today, if England are going to go in with one spinner at any stage, how can you go in with a spinner that, that the captain simply won't trust at key moments? So that will be that will undermine him. He is being played as a luxury item and yet he's a luxury item who's picked up 10 wickets in the series and some extraordinarily big names. He's got Kohli twice, he's got Bajara, he's got most of the, I think four of the five Centurions fell to him in the end. So, you know, he's a guy who, as leg spinners do, they tend to be able to find a wicket out of nowhere, which was absolutely vital for England at crucial moments in, in several of the games. 
and of course he 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 had a thanks for coming at Lords. So he's had a really extraordinary series, but come out of it, I think, in credit in spite of everything. He's averaged thirty, you know. I think, best, or, or, best series winning on leg spinner since Tommy Greenhoe in uh, nineteen fifty nine. Um, small sample size, admittedly, between those. But uh, he, I, I guess the best, point is best. Sorry, I, yeah. I haven't heard that best series for an England leggy since in England. 1959. I think. Mm-hmm. I think. Any, I think at all. Most wickets and best average. Yeah, I think so. I'd have to double check, but it was the name floated around. I mean, I guess the point for Rashid as well, and it could have happened yesterday, is that the wheels didn't come off of him mm. at any stage. And and when Pant was taking him on yesterday, um, you thought, if this keeps going for another half an hour, who's going to... You wouldn't crack? have wanted to have one spinner at Southampton. The wheels almost came off there, I think. Mm. But, we did, you know, that's the, the England didn't have one spinner. They have the, they were allowed to use him as a luxury player. Courtesy of Wokes' injury, Moe all-rounders. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it sort of works... Uh, I don't know if you saw the thing I did in the, the live report about comparing him to a sheep. <laughs> may, have, may have. Well, it's it's Gideon Brooks' story, but it, it, it's, I didn't see that. It's, <laughs> it's really true. So there was this, I can't remember the name. There's a famous racehorse, and he used to get terribly nervous whenever it travelled. And so the uh, trainer eventually realised that if he put the sheep who lived in the same field in the trailer with the horse, it calmed it down. Right. And it performed a lot better. And the, tra- uh, the, horse, uh, the, sorry, the sheep went everywhere. So, uh, Adil is pretty much Moen's sheep, isn't he? In the, if he's there, well, Moen will perform better. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Moen does perform better when he's told he's the second spinner. He's never felt better than he did in Southampton, has he? Uh, and if you can find a way to harness those two, I don't know, they're separate the mercurial sheep talents. And I think we're going to get another one, aren't we? We're going to have Leech in Sri Lanka, who's actually... Uh, a sort of less extravagant talent, but really reliable. I think he'd be a good, a good pick. It, really, really hard to captain those guys. I was going to throw forward a little bit to that squad because not sure we'll have you back on the show before the um, squad is oh. named. I think you're due to. Uh, no, I think you're due. To, no, I think you're due to take <laughs> some well deserved. Right. No, no, I think I think you're due to take some well deserved time off. I was about yeah, to say. Break it to me gently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Butch is back, so yeah. Um, <laughs> Fair play. <laughs> um, so you've mentioned Leach, you mentioned Overton oh. and, and Ollie Stone earlier, yeah. Burns. Um, anyone else you can see coming into the fame for that Sri Lanka tour? Well, Vince could come in, couldn't he? Do, do, do you, George, you mean someone who we haven't uh, Yeah, seen who hasn't yet. been in the squad, in the team this summer, yeah. It's difficult because uh, there are lots of people going for the same positions. I mean, what, what do you do with Joe Clark? He's mm. been very unlucky, hasn't he? But Ollie Pope, uh, I know, who played two. I think people, he'll, he'll uh, go as a batsman. Folks? But, yeah, that's the interesting one that's come up. I mean, are England just thinking the more keepers they pick, the better? No, I think they want to pick folks. Well, I think Bayless probably wants to pick folks because he is the best keeper. And he's a good batsman. That's going to really screw with Johnny's mind. Well, I don't think you can for that reason. (laughs) So I don't suppose he can go, can he? You know, Joss goes as the number two. Uh, Poor old Ben Folks. I don't know how old he is, 26? He is already developing, in my mind, as one of the best players to never have played for England because you can look at his career trajectory... And there, there seems every chance of that. But look, things can change very quickly, can't they? Um, yeah, I think those are the names. I'm pretty sure that one of Overton and Stone will go. I hope both go. I'm not sure Broad will go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just as a little aside, w- what are the chances of that having been Broad's last test? Not not impossible, I'd say sort of 28, 2080, maybe. In the, if he doesn't go to Sri Lanka, and he's going partly on form, not just to be rested... You know, is he honestly going to be a very useful bowler there? 
it wouldn't let anyone down, obviously. But if someone else comes into the side and does really well, what do you then do? Yeah. So it, it is a possibility, which is why I'm sure he'll be fighting tooth and nail to go. But I think at this stage it looks more likely that Broad won't go. And Anderson, you see, is able to do that role he did yesterday, which yeah. is that dry holding role. He did it in the UAE last time, did he? Actually did it in the There's certainly a debate that England won't need won't have four seamers in their side in flank because you, 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 you want to get the third spinner in so you'll probably go Anderson, Curran, Stokes and maybe the three spinners might be the balance of your... But depends yeah, where they all bat as well. well I'd, love, I'd love to see Curran out there just, just to see if the oh, Chiminder Vass comparisons hold up. He'll go take the new ball, I'm sure. Well, that's the point. He could well really step up in the series in a, in a way obviously he took the new ball in, in Broad's absence yesterday so I think we've got to be realistic with him I think there will be days when you know he does look like a 78 mile an hour bowler and he you know he, he bowls magic balls in this series but he is a bit limited in his pace so he might have to do the similar job to Jimmy and that's fine because I think he will learn those skills but I th- you know everyone's always said he's going to be a batsman who bowls um really tough for him so uh, I don't know but he's 20 you know he's still he's still developing but what do you do with Wokes so maybe if you opened with Moen you can see how these things happen mm-hmm. and you had Stokes at three and y- you get away to squeeze in all these all-rounders whether that's Wokes. strength in depth <laughs> ludicrous isn't it I, but, um, Wokes. I mean he's, he's got a he's got a bloody good technique I'd trust him more than Jennings yeah I don't know what they're going to do with Wokes because because um, his home and away record is so stark isn't it mm. in yes. terms of the, the numbers I mean, mm. in England, on green pitches, and, he's and, pretty much Anderson. And if Ed, yeah. if Ed Smith is true to his word about uh, slightly more horses for courses policy, which he mentioned when he dropped Milan, but reassured him you've got a great record overseas, if, does that does that extend to someone like a Wokes? Do, do they say, well, you're clearly not a man for overseas conditions? I don't know because yeah. they'll rate his batting too. Because of course, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. First centurion so, of the summer, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. So you come <laughs> back to a team of eight all-rounders. So. Anyway, that, that, that's the brave new world. That, 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 that's for the weeks to come. Just the final thing before wrap up the show. Um, just wanted to ask you both really what made the series such compelling viewing in a, in a wider point? Was it, was it two good sides, two flawed sides, the conditions or a mixture of two or three of those factors? I thought the, I thought the conditions were fantastic. I thought the, the pitches were brilliant. They offered, they offered enough for, uh, for the bowlers, but the batsmen, if there's a bit of application, in most games, someone was able to get in, so clearly, you know, it wasn't insurmountably tricky, even though it was clearly seeming all over the shop. Um, so yeah, that was that was that was immense. It was it was flawed sides. I think I, I don't I don't think there's any doubt about that. There's no question England are a flawed side, and India. Well, they'll just leave with so many regrets about about their preparation. I think, but uh, I mean, that, but then you know, it's very rare in Test cricket that. That you can get a good series without having two flawed sides going going up against each other. Because if one side has no flaws, certainly in this day and age, they steamroll you. So um, yeah, hurrah for flaws. Bring them back. It's just a reminder, isn't it? That I mean, I agree with all that. It's a reminder that the game is better when the ball's slightly on top. And if test the Duke ball is slightly on top. <laughs> well, maybe the Duke ball. I mean, the Duke ball actually hit quite a poor last test. It did. Didn't yeah, it? It changed so many times. Wasn't changed it, this so game? many Someone times. Someone burst uh, them or something. Yeah. yeah, so that that's an issue that they'll have to look at. But whatever, the, however it happens, the ball being slightly on top creates more interesting cricket and cricket that is more suitable to the attention spans of this day and age. Is it just one box of balls per summer that they're given? 
Because do, do you just will you, you know are Anderson Broad so good so good at picking out picking out the balls that they want? That, as, that, that, as in, is it, is it a batch? A batch, right? a, a batch, batch you're ball, given, yeah. and by the end of the summer, they, Anderson Broad got so good at picking the best balls, they were just left with the rubbish ones. Is that why they got them? It was a batch, supposedly, yeah. because they're saying it was a slightly yeah. rogue batch in terms of the amount it did. But I don't know about that. The pitch is seamed. Yeah. There was a decent covering of grass on most of them, wasn't yeah. there? There was, yeah. and, I, and I think we could learn from that because I. I'm generally not a fan of five test series. This one's been terrific. Uh, I think they can get very one-sided. I know the scoreline looks like it was, but I, I thought some of the pitches in Australia were really dog poor. And, and when a series has already gone one direction, that, that, that doesn't help. So I think that's something that world cricket should look at. And the other thing that was really, really positive, do you remember how grumpy the last series was between these sides? Jadeja uh, Gate and all. Um, I thought this one was so much better, and I uh, credit Virat Kohli in the IPL for that, largely, and Joe Root, actually. Uh, and they played it really hard, really friendly. Everyone's gone away, having enjoyed it. That, that, I think that matters, because you're trying to sell the game to a new generation. And the last series was ugly, so well done then. And a word for Pharmacino and his laser eye on, on, on knowing where, where pads were and weren't. He, he had a good he series, had, didn't he? Had he? Good, you review Kumar at uh, your peril in this, in this <laughs> series, don't you? It was a... Uh, it, it, it was outstanding. Although I think both captains also need to work on their reviewing. Neither of them were crash hot at where the off stump was on. <laughs> on we on, relied on to the keeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also just a bit of well, cricket. pants tumbling down J- the leg side every other ball. He needed to get a hundred, <laughs> didn't he, to make sure he had scored more runs than let through. Your favourite cricket of the series, wasn't he? George he is an extraordinary by. cricketer. He, he will get a lot of. Uh, when he, if England go to India and play on flat wickets, he will murder them. <laughs> Well, that, that's all to come. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll bring this show to a close now. It's been a highly enjoyable English um, season. That first test against Pakistan feels a long time ago now. There's still a couple of weeks of domestic action to go, including T20 Finals Day next weekend, and we'll be back to wrap up the final acts of the summer in a couple of weeks' time. For now, though, it's thanks to George and to Andrew, um, both for this show and George for his efforts during the series, um, and thanks go. to you for listening to us on ESPNCookInfo.com. <laughs>